Hi, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Pour It Out with Elena Beverly. I am your host, Elena, and I'm super excited to have you join me today. Today, we are kicking off a little three-part series, I think you would maybe call it, um, where I'm going to honor my partners. Uh, There are three businesses, local businesses here in town who have partnered with me for this podcast. They have been absolutely amazing. And uh, I wanted to give them an opportunity to share their stories and to just share how they got started and, you know, a little bit about them, the owner and their business, their heart behind the business, uh, and just share with you their story. Um, I'm passionate about, you know, each individual person's story and also um, the story behind the business and how you know, it went from a dream and vision to reality. And we are kicking that off today with Trent Fannin, who is the owner of Roast Coffee here in town. Um, If you have not been there yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's the best coffee here in Chilla Coffee and uh, the best atmosphere, best place, best baristas, best everything. Um, I cannot say enough good things. I've been with them since the beginning, uh, since they first came to Chilla Coffee, and it's been amazing. They uh, went over on 2nd Street is where they started, and then they um, moved over to the Fort Collective, and you will hear all about that in this episode. He explains the journey of how he got here and how he got everything started, and it's just such a fun episode. Uh, I am so, so thankful that he sat down with me and shared his story and the story behind Roast. Um, I was super encouraged by it. I thought I knew most of it, but I found out that I didn't. And I learned a lot and I hope that you will too, and that it will just make you appreciate um, their coffee and the place and Trent and his family so much more than you already do. So grab a cup of coffee, hopefully some roast coffee and um, join us today as we pour it out. Hey, Trent. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Um, so to get started, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and all of that. Um, so I'm married to Hillary, um, and we have four kids. Rock is our oldest. He's nine, almost 10. Kensington is seven. Duke is five and Farah is three. And I think, yes, that's the right order. (laughs) That's crazy. She's three. I know that blows my mind a little bit. It's wild. Yeah. And you, how long have you guys been here? So we've been in Chillicothe since, uh-huh. um, the fall of 2016. Okay. Yeah. About eight, eight or so months, eight, nine months after we opened up our first location down okay. here in Chillicothe. So, wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're rounding the corner of, yeah. I mean, seven years. Yeah. So which is really weird to think about. Yeah. Uh, It feels like just yesterday in some ways and forever in other ways for me. Yeah. It does. Oh yeah. So, well, I just want to hear a little bit of the story of roast. And so, um, I know that you started in Columbus and so why don't you just take us through all of it? I'll let you do most of the talking. If you can tell me like, why coffee? How did you, have you always loved coffee? Has it always been a thing for you? Um, how you went from Columbus because you started out at like a kiosk in Easton. Um, sort of. That was our first kind of like public um, service, I guess, okay. you know, um, opportunity to get roasted in public, but we were primarily wholesale. So I, okay. I was already roasting on the back end and supplying a lot of coffee shops and doing training because I had been in coffee for a lot longer okay. than that. So. So I'll let you start and then just tell us from the very beginning and then what kind of brought you here and we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah. Um, So I grew up hating coffee, you know, Um, I I liked the smell, but, um, you know, my exposure to coffee at that time was like McDonald's, you know, with my grandpa (laughs) and um, gas station stuff, you know, even into college, I I didn't like coffee at all. 
partly because, you know, I didn't know at the time, I'd never really even been exposed to good coffee and knew what that was. Um, but it was in college where I experienced my first good cup of coffee from a local roaster. I was on a trip with some friends and, um, I, we stumbled into this little shop, this little roaster and met the owner and kind of gave me this whole education and opened up my, you know, the coffee world to me that I, like I said, I didn't even know existed. And I had my first cup of good coffee. It was black. And he said that there were going to be tasting notes and it was similar to the wine world, you know, and I thought this guy was just crazy. I'm like, dude, coffee's coffee, you know, mm-hmm. it all tastes like ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just having my first cup and having my first several sips and tasting like blueberry notes and things that he was saying I was going to taste and thinking, okay, this is flavored, you know, this is flavored mm-hmm. coffee. And he's like, oh, this is not flavored coffee. This is just good quality coffee roasted properly and brewed properly. And that's what coffee can be. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so captivated by that experience um, and almost kind of having like a feeling of like betrayal because I'm like, where has this <laughs> been my whole life? You know, like, why is this not easier uh-huh. to get, you know? Um, but that really did captivate me to, you know, wanting more of that you know i'm like i apparently i like coffee but Mm -hmm. i like this i like good coffee you know and so that just kind of was like took me right to the edge of the rabbit hole and i just dove off you know at first and Mm -hmm. there was never like a business idea you know at the beginning or anything like that i was a marketing major in, in college but um you know i was major i wanted to be in sports marketing and work for a professional basketball team football team something like that but um So that kind of, you know, this is like 2003 and there weren't a lot of local coffee shops. Like you can drive now to little old Chilla Coffee and have access to great coffee. You know, that didn't exist in 2003. Mm -hmm. Um, It barely existed even in in a big city like Columbus. And um, so that kind of pushed me to have to like personally dive into this coffee world. And um, so I just, I bought a little, little roaster and, a, um, a little espresso machine set up and kind of just started experimenting from there and basically producing a lot of really, really bad coffee, like <laughs> really bad. And, and it drove me nuts. Cause I'm like, you know, I've, I've been exposed to good coffee. I'm buying good quality coffee. I found great outlets online, but why can't I roast this? Right. Why can't I brew it? Right. Why, why do I suck so bad at this? You know? <laughs> and, um, and that's when it kind of really clicked for me of like, and I'm, what I tell people nowadays is like, it's really easy to find bad coffee. It's a lot harder to find good coffee, mainly because it's easy to make bad coffee, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I think maybe one reason is, is a lot of people just haven't had good coffee. They don't know what it can be. Um, so for me, that's kind of what took me down that rabbit hole. And I just kind of started Um, not even wanting to perfect my craft, just, I just wanted to make better coffee for myself at home, you know? Mm -hmm. And so over time, as that got better, um, I would share it with friends and I would share it with family and I would get feedback and they would like it. And it just just started kind of, um, the skill set and the knowledge base, I guess, kind of started building Mm -hmm. from there. Um, I... So I, I had different opportunities and I, I was a part of a couple other partnerships and coffee businesses where I was able to kind of take that skill set that I had developed into like a commercial setting and a retail setting. And, um, you know, ultimately kind of led to where we started um, Roast in 2013. I was a part of two other partnerships prior to that where I had grown, you know, a, a retail store into multiple locations and then I grew um one of those locations into a roaster uh, you know roasting operation and then grew that into a wholesale business and ultimately bought out of those to start roast and um so when i started roast in 2013 um, we were primarily just a wholesale company so i had worked in and out of coffee shops for a long time and as well simultaneously the construction industry so i knew a lot about how shops needed to be built the ins and outs of all of the back end things, but also the front end things like the coffee and the service. Um, so we kind of put all of that together and developed roast as a wholesale consultant company. And I was helping coffee shops launch and providing the back end support training and the knowledge as well as the product. Um, 
So that's kind of the, um, you know, Reader's Digest version of mm -hmm. the origin of roast, basically, you know, and kind of where the, um, the concept, I guess, came mm -hmm. from. So, yeah. And then how did you, how did you come here? How did you come to Chilla Coffee? Why, what was it about here that made this the right place? You know, how did you land here? Yeah. So Hillary, my wife had a good friend from, um, you know, childhood that married, um, Danielle Burns that married, um, a guy from Chilla Coffee. And so when Hillary and I started dating in 2010, 11 range, um, she, you know, we, she, she, she mentioned one time, you know, that classic thing that you do with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're like, Hey, I have these friends that I want you to meet. We're going to go on a double date, you know? And I'm like, no, like where, where we're we going. She's like, we're going to Chillicothe. And I'm like, nah, like, I don't want to go down there and meet your friends. And I don't want to go to Chillicothe, you know, um, just like every husband would oppose to. <laughs> um, but we did, I did. And we came down and visited, um, her friends at this time. And, um, I met Chris and obviously Danielle and we just became best friends like right away. And, um, I remember kind of driving around and seeing downtown Chilcothy for the first time. And it was very desolate at that mm -hmm. time. There were, there wasn't a lot happening at all. The Carlisle building was still kind of a wreck from, um, the situations that happened there. There were not downtown places at all. Um, but I re also remember um, seeing the opportunity, like, man, this is a phenomenal downtown. Mm -hmm. Like, it's cute. There's storefronts. There's there's opportunity here. You know, this place is ripe. And um, this was before we even started Roast, and I was a part of another coffee venture. And I remember even telling Hillary and, and our friends Chris and Danielle, like, there needs to be a very good coffee shop here, you know. And if someone did something right, I think it could work, you know. So over time, we just found that in our language, you know, every time we visit town, we were like, man, we could do something here, you know, that could really potentially change the landscape and be an integral part of, you know, um, downtown kind of um, revitalizing, you know, ultimately. And so, like I said, in 2013, we started Roast. We were primarily just a wholesale company. I didn't have a storefront. Um, I was doing pop-up events. And I happened to be doing kind of a pour over pop-up event. And at this event, um, there was the vice president, president of leasing from Easton, uh, town center in Columbus was there, had our coffee. And after a 30 minute conversation, basically Easton invited us into their, uh, mall for free. They're like, why don't you just come do this in the mall? And at first I was like, I'm just a little coffee dude. Like I can't <laughs> afford to be in Easton. He's like, no, 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 no. Just, just come set up. We have an open kiosk right now. And if you can set up inside of there and make it work, just try it out and do it for free. And I'm like, Oh, I can't say no to going to right. Easton for free. Like, this is crazy. Like surely we can make this work. And so we did have a little retail presence there, but, um, from 2013 to 2016, we primarily were just wholesale, you know, and I was supplying for other coffee shops. Um, but in that time span, we would travel to chill coffee lot and we would find ourselves saying all the time, like, man, we should, we should, if the right place at the right time opens up, we should try to do a shop down here. And, um, in 2000, late 2015, I happened to see a, um, a space available, a totem had just opened up and I remember somebody telling me about it and I kind of was driving around trying to find them one time and saw their store and I'm like, this is phenomenal. You know, like, I can't believe like this, this is the look, this is, this is what, this is something that can really set this place off. And there happened to be a space next to it. Then I'm like, this, this is it. You know, this is the space. If, if we come in and do something right, right here and kind of tag team with what totem is doing, I think there could be some real momentum here. Um, so I called up the, the, there was a number on a four lease sign and called up the guy and, He's like, I'm down the street, you know, you want to, you want to see it now? And I'm like, Hey, come on down. And this was probably right before maybe a week or two before Christmas in 2015. And, um, the, the landlord came down, showed me the space and it was pretty simple. You know, it was like 1200 square feet, just mm -hmm. one big rectangular room, you know, storefront room. And after a few minutes, um, he was telling me the lease price and everything. And I'm like, 
I'll do it. You know, not, not consulting with Hillary or anything. I'm like, I can't, I can't refuse this price and this opportunity. It just felt right. And, um, so I shook his hand right then and there. And right after the new year on January 5th, we signed a lease and we opened up in February 5th of 2016, which is four days from now. Um, wow. ironically enough, so our seventh birthday is literally in, in a couple days, February 5th, oh my gosh, that's crazy. which is wild. So, and which so, is right about time you stumbled in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw you were, it was right before the soft opening. Yeah. It was right before and you were like finishing cause you did a lot of the construction. Yeah. So a good friend of, I had a very good friend of mine. Uh, his name's James. He's a master carpenter. Um, we did a lot of construction together. We built a lot of coffee shops. We were in the middle of building out like an 8,000 square foot brewery in Canal Winchester at the time. Wow. And I went to the guy, he was a friend of mine, but I went to the guy who hired us and I told him, I was like, hey, I just got this opportunity to open up a coffee shop in Chillicothe. Um, I need to hit pause on your project for 30 days and go down and build this thing out, train a staff and get it up and running in 30 days. If you can give me 30 days to hit pause, because we were kind of waiting for some of his like brew tanks to come in before we could do a lot of what we needed to do. So I kind of knew like, if I could get this guy on board to give me a 30 day pause, I can open up the store and launch it. And so I proposed it to him and he's like, I'll give you 30 days, but there's no way you're opening a store in 30 days. And I'm like, I have to, like, if that's all you're giving me, I have to, you know? And, um, so James and I literally slept on that dang floor, um, and opened up that coffee shop. I mean, we, we made like crock pot meals and we just worked around the clock for 30 straight days. I hired like a little, uh, bootstring staff. I think we had like three people when we first opened and I trained, trained them simultaneously. And we, like I said, we signed a lease on January 5th. And we opened our doors on February 5th. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Which was nuts. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. So, and then we went straight back into, I was, you know, doing that build out for the brewery and maintaining my staff and maintaining this store <laughs> down here. <laughs> wow. So, and yeah. you had, you had rock. Yes. And Kenzie was, um, Kenzie had just been born too. Kenzie was not even one really. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and so, a wife and two yeah, kids. So a wife and Small two kids, kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you hadn't, they had, cause you moved, when did you say that you moved here? So we opened in February, February, and then we ended up moving in September of that year of 2016. So that's a lot of travel too, yeah. because you were in Columbus yeah. and then doing the brewery in Columbus, but then driving down here to do, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. A, a lot, lot of very, very long days. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. And then, so. okay. So you were over on second street mm -hmm. for how long? So we stayed in that location until January. Well, I guess rather uh, summer of 2019. Okay. Um, Cause we kind of had that bike shop stint in the, yes. in the middle of that. Um, so almost four years, you know, about four years in that location before we moved down here to where we're at now. And so, then how did that, like, what, where did this come? So the fort where we're at now, um, when I was a part of another venture in Columbus, um, we were right in downtown Columbus and this was 2007, 2008. And, um, we were one of the very first coffee shops to open in like the short North area. And I remember after we opened, um, there, the co-working space business model was kind of starting to surface at this time, but it was big companies like WeWork, you know, um, who were mainly in like New York city. Um, so there were these kind of, you know, little mom and pop style co-working stations that were opening up. And one of them happened to be kind of across the street and adjacent from our coffee shop location. Um, and the guy who owned that started coming into the coffee shop every day and just through conversation, you know, I got to meet him and, and kind of hear what he did. And he told me he owned a co-working space and I'm like, what the heck is a co-working space? You know, and he invited me over one day and I saw this really cool old garage warehouse space that had been turned into a co-working space, basically these modular open air, they weren't even structured offices, just this space where these young professionals who didn't want to work in their mom and dad style office 
complexes, mm -hmm. but wanted to kind of be a part of a professional community, created these flexible co-working spaces and it was creative and, you know, there was, it was very vibey and cool and trendy. And you just walk in and you're inspired. You're like, man, I, I just want to start something, mm -hmm. you know? And I remember being captivated even by that culture and the environment of like, this is contagious, you know? So simultaneously I'm running that downtown coffee shop and I, you know, we would open our doors at 7 a.m. And by 7 30, 8 o'clock, every seat was full with, you know, this young entrepreneur on their laptop. And they weren't just sitting there like Facebooking and, you know, playing on social media. They were running real tech companies or working for really big companies, but remotely. And this was so new to me. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I was extremely captivated. I think being very entrepreneurial, it, it did just that it captivated me. And I remember kind of thinking and seeing the two business models and watching how inadvertently a coffee shop became this like co-working space mm -hmm. that fostered this environment for these entrepreneurs to come and work in a very, um, unstructured, like relaxed way. But, um, a lot of entrepreneurs are super creative and mm -hmm. they wouldn't survive in an office, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but being in this environment where it's open and there's a lot happening with other surrounded by other creatives, it just produced a mm -hmm. lot. And I remember there was a regular at this time, right about the time we opened, his name was Jared. He started this um, company that um, was basic. It was the very first company to, that you could sync your Instagram account up with mm -hmm. and send pictures to, and you could monthly kind of on a subscription base, like choose your Instagram accounts to be, or your Instagram pictures to be sent to this company. And they would print actual like physical copies of your Instagram picture and mail them to you, which those companies are mm -hmm. a dime a dozen now, but he was the first one to bring this to market in 2008. And he did it right there from the coffee shop. And I remember being so, just intrigued and like, um, challenged by this. And I, and it got me thinking like, what would it look like to intentionally foster this? Mm -hmm. Because this is, this was done unintentionally. Right. This, this space was not created for these people, right. but they're here. Right. So what would it look like if you took an intentional model, like the co-working space and an intentional model, like a coffee shop space and marry those two together? What does that look like? And that's when, you know, the fort, which didn't have a name at that time, really was kind of like birthed in my heart, I guess. And, um, you know, so fast forward to, you know, 2018, um, the coffee shop down the street had been open for several years and we had actually tried kind of side note, we had tried opening up the fort in Columbus in 2015 and failed miserably. Like, we, we were in construction. We were building out a 7,000 square foot space. I was working with a big um, property development company and, and owner up there and um, a person that made up uh, about 50% of our capital investment backed out like mid construction and we tanked hard, you know, and Hillary, this was right after she had Kinsey, you know, so it was like, it was scary. It was uh -huh. emotional. It was like, what do we do now? And it was right after that is when we, you know, found the space down in Chillicothe and we knew like mm -hmm. we had to do this. Um, so two, you know, two years later, we had always dreamt of going back to Columbus and doing the fort and trying again to do the fort in Columbus and really take this thing that had been inside of my heart for, you know, at that time, eight, eight, nine years mm -hmm. and materializing this thing and trying it. Cause I just, I couldn't get off of it. it I knew it was something I knew it was put inside of me for a reason. Mm -hmm. And um, so as my wife and I, as Hillary and I would talk about it more and more, like we quickly became, you know, kind of came to the realization, like this is home. You know, we were renting our house at that time, but like the community and the friends and the relationships that we had developed through opening up the shop here and even realizing how integral and important the, the coffee shop was and had become to this community, we quickly realized like we can't not, not abandon it, but like we can't just go back to Columbus and keep it like 
this is this is us yeah. you know yeah and what would it look like to really go all in with our family and you know i use this term like so i don't know a lot of people it might be foreign to different people but like what would it look like to marry the land yeah and like choose chillicothe and like go all in and yeah. and take this thing that's been in our heart that we always thought was for columbus and and we've we're now under the realization it's not for columbus it's for chillicothe yeah what does it look like to just go all in and commit to that here you know not knowing how to do it but or where to do it but knowing this is it and so we did we just kind of made that up in our mind and um just trusted that as those next steps were needed um that it would be, become clear you know um so we started kind of really um going down that road in like 2018 late 2017 2018 and um we were looking at buying another building in town and ultimately we ended up getting connected with um a a person that ended up becoming an investor in our concept um in sometime in like 2018 and kind of pitching our concept and um two years later you know we opened up our doors the fort collective and roast expansion and all of that in um january 15th of 2020 which mm -hmm. was exactly yep. 60 days before the, the COVID <laughs> shutdown <laughs> so we got off one roller coaster just on, just uh -huh. in time to get on a, on another roller uh -huh. coaster so and you never shut your doors no Okay. I no, so. we stayed open and we would sit, you know, Hillary and I would sit around our phones or the TV like every night and watch the governor's little yeah. press conferences and just be like, you know, what's shutting down tomorrow? What's yeah. shutting down today? And as long as, and we kind of made up our mind, as long as we're deemed essential, yeah. you know, we're going to, we are, you know, we, like I said, we opened in January, <clears throat> we doubled our staff to come to, you know, to open up this concept. And, um, you know, we quickly kind of proposed to our staff, like, Hey, here's, here's what we're doing. We're going to stay open as long as we can. We're going to stay safe, do what we know to do. Um, but if you're not on board with this, we understand too, just communicate with us. And yeah. so we had enough staff that were like, no, we're, we're in this, you know, and I kind of told them, I'm like, it took a lot of time and energy and effort to start this engine. I don't want to shut it down because yeah. 15 days to slow the spread just never seemed like that's a real yeah. thing, you know? So I kind of quickly was like, if we can stay open, we're going to stay open um, and just figure this out every single day. So, and like I said, we had a great staff that, that was on board with that um, approach. And so we went with it and we never shut down. We had to pivot a lot, like every day, sometimes three or four times a day, yeah. you know, and change the menu menu. And we became, um, you were allowed to stop in and mm -hmm. grab things to go. Um, but we were also, we started a delivery service yeah. and, um, you know, we quickly realized how many people in this community also had essential jobs and had to still work and yeah. had to still go out and provide for their families. And being able to just stop in for a cup of coffee became like the highlight of people's day. Like yeah. that helped them get through yeah. like really, really hard times. Yeah. You know? So I mean, I can attest to that. I was working for a financial company down the street and it was, you know, you're only seeing your family. Yeah. And, you know, I had one coworker who was in the office with me. And so it was her and my family and that was it. And so it was just it was you don't realize how much that means until you're put in a position like that but i remember coming in and getting coffee and just being like there are other humans around you yeah, know yeah. and not only was it like i need the coffee and i need the fuel but it was like just to even even though it was a quick two to three minute conversation it was still having a two to three conversation two to three minute conversation with another human being that didn't live in my house right right and so it did it was huge yeah there were levels of like appreciation that you um kind of gathered for people doing what they're doing with their lives and having to support their families and keep their job or firefighters and policemen and essential workers you know nurses and doctors stopping in every single day 
which was huge. But then there, there was also this level of like normalcy that we were able to provide of, Oh, I'm just going to go grab a cup of coffee, you know, and you couldn't get it in any other way, you know? And I think our society as a whole really realized like how, um, maybe how easy community is, um, and maybe how easy, like easily taken for granted we have it, you know, until it's, you know, it's like one of those cliche sayings, like you You really don't don't know what you have until it's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was challenging. Yeah. You know, that was a mental challenge, like every single day for five months, you know, till summer, till things kind of started opening back up a little bit. So it was wild. Okay. So here we are now 2023 and, you know, you stayed open through all of it. What, what was kind of that process? And like, I mean, you talked about in the middle of the pandemic and stuff, but then coming out of the pandemic to now, what has it looked like? Have you, did you, did you lose speed at all? Did you stay pretty consistent? Like, how was it for you? Yeah. So when we first opened up in January, you know, we, we came from, you know, 1200 square foot space down to here. And I mean, we like tripled our business almost overnight. You know, I think it, you know, we dealt with a lot of parking challenges down the street. You know, we were right next to the courthouse and, um, it was, it was different. It was difficult, you know, cause we'd have significantly awesome, awesome days. And then the next day there would be a, a big court session and there's, you know, a hundred jurors downtown that have to park downtown. And we would be like, Oh my goodness, are we going out of business? You know, <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. what is happening? So there were so many ebbs and flows because of just all of the downtown parking variables. So when we came down here and had consistent parking and everything, it just blew up. Um, and, you know, like I said, we had about 60 days until the, until COVID hit and those 60 days were huge. They were, they were awesome. They were great. I I feel like we were really kind of ironing out, you know, our service model changed, our, our offerings changed, our men, our food menu significantly increased. So we were getting a lot of things ironed out. And then, you know, like I said, COVID hit. So what do we do now? Um, and there were a lot of adjustments, but I will say like, two, three weeks in, it was extremely daunting of, you know, these thoughts of like, man, are we going to get shut down? And is this going to work? I'm still bringing in on a daily basis. Like there's enough people coming in to where we can justify keeping our full staff, like staff the way it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But how sustainable is this? You know, what's going to happen next? And, uh, but about four, I would say about four or five weeks in, something shifted. And um, there were a lot of restaurants that obviously made a, an extremely gut-wrenching decision to shut down because, mm-hmm. again, like nobody knows what's going on. Um, but we subsequently became like the only place open downtown. Um, and we just blew up, but like I said, about four or five weeks in. And I mean, I'm running, I ran every single delivery for the two months, I think, you know, we didn't, we weren't allowed to open. So all of April, all of May, we were allowed to open back up at 50% capacity June. I think the second Mm -hmm. week of June. So prior to that, you know, that two, two and a half month stretch, um, our delivery service went through the roof and I ran every single delivery because partly I didn't want to hire a delivery driver person and not be able to sustain that position. But, um, also I, I wanted to kind of take on that, that role for my Mm -hmm. staff. So that way they can, they knew they were coming to a controlled safe environment at the shop. Um, and I, I'll, I'll go out and handle Mm -hmm. this, you know, but I mean, we were having the hospital and Kenworth and places around town putting in like 20, 30, 40, 50 person orders, you know, and, I was having to make multiple trips and just, you know, how do we maintain quality Mm -hmm. by still trying to deliver, you know, um, this little perk in everybody's day. Um, so we did, you know, we, we navigated and really pivoted a lot, but we did extremely well through that time. Um, 
if we would have done those numbers not in COVID, I would have been happy with it. Mm -hmm. So considering mm -hmm. the fact that we were in COVID, I was elated. Um, mm -hmm. But it also gave me, from an owner's perspective, a lot of um, time to really um, iron out this whole new service model, you know, that, yeah. we, that we launched and we kind of had to shut down and there were things that needed adjusted, you know, and we were adjusting them on the fly, but that allowed us by June to really open back up. And, and we made a lot of adjustments that, um, were, you know, integral to kind of continuing to stay successful as we opened back up, you know, and we, you know, we finished out 2020 very, very strong. 2021 was huge. It was you know, unbelievable, but we were still even experiencing a lot of COVID influence. You know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of, a lot of sickness, a lot of, you know, things, um, going on. I, I obviously got sick mm -hmm. during a lot of that. Um, 2022 continued to stay the same and, you know, 2023 has been off to a great start, but like our experience of investing in Chillicothe and continuing to reinvest in Chillicothe has, it's only worked. It's only ever worked, you know? And I feel like, um, it's a true testament, especially during COVID. A tr it's a true testament to how awesome this community is and resilient, um, these people are. And Hillary and I felt that mandate on us personally with wanting to stay open and wanting to continue to drive this thing forward is like, you know, this, a lot of these people in this community, they don't have an option to quit. You know, we have the option to quit, but that's, that can't be an option for us. Right. You know, um, we have to wake up tomorrow in the middle of Groundhog's Day <laughs> when we want to quit, yeah. not quitting and just persevering, you know, being committed to, all right, it's a new day. How do we, how do we yeah. win today? You know, and um, it's one of those things where. I would never want to go through it ever again, but like, I'm so glad we did Yeah. Um, because we're so much better for it. Yeah. So. I love that. It's so funny. I thought that I knew a lot of your story, but I didn't. And so to hear it has been absolutely amazing. And I think one thing I really want people to hear is going back quite a ways, like your dream for the fort didn't actually come to fruition for 10 years. Like, I think that's huge. It's something I didn't know, like, but I think that that's huge. Like there are things that, you know, we have ideas for and stuff and it takes a really long time. And I think it says a lot about you as a person to not give up on that for 10 years, but to just keep kind of like planning it and, you know, praying about it and talking to the Lord about it and all the things. Um, and then 10 years later, you get to see the fruit of it and then you get to see the fruit not only is it here but like how cool that you opened right before a national pandemic and you got to be that kind of like safe haven place it was just like the timing of all of it is like he gave you that dream 10 years ago yeah it took 10 years to manifest and i'm sure that there were times that you got frustrated and you you know and to even i didn't know that you had started one in columbus and it failed so to go through that but then to get here and not only be so amazing but then to be the place that was like in the middle of the community that the whole community got to turn to when we needed it the most like i just think that's amazing yeah for sure and you know i think that's a true testament to Hillary too, you know, not uh -huh. leaving me during all of this because <laughs> I've given her every reason, you know? Um, but that, you know, that as a father, like, and as a, an, an entrepreneur, a business owner slash like leader of this ship that we're driving, you know, like that I tell, I tell Hillary all the time, like, I'm not going to do something unless I have vision for it. Yeah. And, you know, that's where I've kind of grown in my relationship with the Lord too, is like, if, when I know I'm supposed to do something, the vision for it comes. Yeah. And if I get the vision for it, like, it's not something that I can manufacture. Yeah. But if I get the vision for it, I know it's, I know it's the Lord. And I know I, I, I'm a, the most persevering person you'll ever meet in your, in, you know, ever. And I won't let it go, you know, and yeah. it was one of those things where, it wasn't just a cool idea that I got mm -hmm. in 2008, 
but it was more, it was a, it was a God idea. It was a, it was a purposeful driven thing that again, like you said, I didn't know the outcome 10 years later or what we would, you know, the, the important role we would play in this community. But I knew this thing that I was chewing on and marinating on, um, was, was different and yeah. it only grew instead of fading away. It just, it was something that just only grew and, and it just created a conviction in my heart. Like, you know, this is, this is an assignment. This is something we need to take on and, and accomplish. Yeah. So, oh, I love it. I love yeah. it so much, so much more than I already did. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to make sure is said? Um, I don't know, I guess in, in general, like, you know, our, our, the DNA of roast really is, you know, coffee and community and, um, I guess at the core, like what, that's not just a cool tagline. Like what that really means is, you know, our product is twofold. And I tell this to every single person that I hire, you know, is we serve coffee, it, you know, this coffee is, is the product that we serve and I want to do it with excellence. I want to be the best at it. Not the, not the best and like, we're the best, but like, I want to serve this coffee right and do it justice. Mm -hmm. Um, and recreate that experience that I had, yeah. you know, that experience is what captivated me. Yeah. And part of it was this guy giving me the time and attention and, you know, and care to educate me, you know, but then deliver this product that was done with excellence that he crafted a skill over time that, that allowed him to give me something that I hadn't experienced for the first 21 years of my life, yeah. you know? So recreating that is huge. Um, the community piece of it is done through, you know, our culture and our environment. And I tell my staff, like, if I hire you and you're signing up, like I expect you to be excellent and not perfect. And there's a distinct difference between perfection and excellence and perfection doesn't give room for error, which is impossible. We're all going to make mistakes. I make mistakes as an owner. We all make mistakes. Excellence is, um, striving for, um, the best, but knowing there will be mistakes that happen, but excellence gives rooms, gives room to make a mistake. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's all I expect of my staff. And I tell them if we can do that, if you can sign up for this and choose to be excellent every single day, the other product that we're serving alongside with our coffee and our food is you, you become mm -hmm. the other product. And what that creates is this culture that people walk into our store and they experience an environment that, naturally fosters community yeah and people feel it you know yeah. and so if you can get on board with this um we're going to deliver something unique to this community that i think will keep us around for a long long time yeah and i feel like um i feel like we've done a really good job yeah. you know and we've been blessed to be able to have like the right people join our team and come in and you know kind of link arms with us and help us achieve this yeah so. Well, you definitely have done all of that. I mean, you know, it's one, one of those things for me, you know, I walk in and it's like, they know what I want. They know what I drink. And there's just something really sweet about that. Like, yeah. you know, you walk in and I change it up on them every now and then, but to walk in and to have people know you by name, know what you like, know about your family, ask about your family. It's just huge. And yeah. back when I worked, um, I mean, I shared this with you before, but when I worked in Circleville and I had a newborn and I wasn't sleeping at night and you were over on second street, like being able to walk into that kind of environment was huge yeah. for somebody who was so sleep deprived and just so, you know, all of the things that come with that and then having, you know, a high stress job of, you know, recruiting and doing all the things like, um, to just have that be the way to start the morning was huge. Yeah. And so, you know, I know there are people who have much more in depth stories and much harder stories, but even just for a mom who worked out of town, who had little kids who didn't sleep, like this place has been huge for me. Yeah. And so you for sure have accomplished that. That's awesome. In all the ways. I appreciate it. So yeah. is there anything that you want to say to the people, to, you know, people who maybe haven't tried roast or people who are listening, who 
our faithful customers, like anything you want to say to them? Yeah. I mean, just surface level in terms of the coffee itself, you know, like I tell people like all coffee is not created equal. There's a reason, like I said, for the first 20, mm -hmm. 21 years of my life, I didn't like coffee because mm -hmm. I, I never was exposed to good coffee. Um, and so you come in and give us a try, you know, we make pour overs. We do, you know, our, our whole approach is different. We buy a lot of the coffee that I buy is direct trade. So I'm buying directly from the farmer. So there's kind of a quote unquote ethical piece behind that. Meaning I'm able to pass along, there's less middlemen taking, you know, pieces mm -hmm. of that pie away from the farmer. So, you know, the coffee I buy is, is more transparent than what you're going to get at a big corporation. Um, but then the, the quality level that allows me to ensure I'm buying a quality level that I want to buy. And then when it's roasted, right. Um, it's, it's just different, you know? And, um, so, you know, if, if you've kind of, if you have your normal go-to and, but you've never been here, like definitely come give it a try and, um, just, you know, see why, like I said, we've only succeeded since 2016 here in Chillicothe. So, yeah. yeah. And then what about the people who do come? Do you have anything to say to them? And for them, I mean, like I said, we're, you know, Hillary and I are continually grateful and continually amazed at the faithfulness of God in our life, but the faithfulness of community that yeah. we've established here, you know, and um, the house that we're in, you know, coincidentally enough, we started renting when we first moved down here because we wanted to go back to Columbus. That was the, the goal was like, you know, the shop's doing well, let's move down here for a year. Let's, let's get it, um, really stable. Let's get a great store manager. And then let's go back to Columbus and do the fort and do all of the things that we've dreamt of. Um, but we, we've only continued to invest our family and our business in this community because of the people like we have friends that we, you know, the Bible says that friends are someone who sticks closer than a brother. And we have friends that are family, you, mm -hmm. you know, that we can't imagine not being here, let alone not raising our children here. Um, and there's just something about Chillicothe that is captivating. And when you, um, when you, I guess, commit to, um, to Chillicothe, it's, it's worth the investment from yeah. a family perspective and a business perspective. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for all of the things that you do and continue to do. And I'm excited to see what is still ahead. Yeah, so. we are too. We, we've got a lot of things brewing and uh, <laughs> um, like I said, we're just everything that we've done in Chilcothe has just worked. And so we've, we've made it our mindset of like, you know, this is home, this is home base and we want, we want our children to see um, mom and dad, not just preaching, you know, a lifestyle that we want them to live, um, but seeing it done mm -hmm. and, but also the community, you know, we feel, we feel driven to continue to just invest, you know? Yeah. And um, so we're, we're constantly, um, I constantly have uh, just things brewing all the time and Hillary is just constantly supporting, you know yeah. what I mean? And without her, you know, definitely um, roast would not exist. You know <laughs> what I mean? Maybe a very, very bad version of roast would exist, but, um, but yeah, like uh, that's definitely something I've gotten more excited about her kind of, you know, our youngest is three now. So Hillary has been able to kind of, step more out of like full-time mob mode and become more just her and who she is in the shop and in the community and having different roles, you know, in her fitness and at the school and things mm -hmm. like that. And, um, it's, it's cool to see these people, a lot of the women that she works with too, just kind of be like, Oh, like, I never knew who this Mrs. Roast was, yeah. you know, like you weren't just Mrs. Roast, like you're Hillary and you're this real person, you know? And so I've, I've been super stoked to kind of see her really step out, yeah. you know, cause she has dreams and she has things on her heart that, that she's called to do that. I'm like, dude, you need like this community needs what you have, just like it needed what roast. Yeah. It needed roast, you yeah. know, it needs what you have. It needs the product that you have too. Yeah. So, um, Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. 
lots, lots of good things to come. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you. I appreciate you personally and the community appreciates you a lot. Yeah. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. I loved every bit of that conversation and I hope that you did too. It was so, so encouraging to me. And I hope that again, I hope it was for you too. And um, to just know that sometimes you may have to wait for things, but it is worth the wait. And, you know, the most encouraging thing he said to me personally was just when he talked about how the whole thing from the time he got the idea and vision to the time that it became reality was 10 years. And so sometimes we have to wait for things, but just because we have to wait and even in the waiting, we may have things that fall apart and we may have things that we fail at and we try and fail at. Um, keep going and keep trying and keep investing and don't give up because the waiting is for a purpose. And um, just because you may fail a few times or just because you may get knocked down a few times, you just keep going because you never know what will happen um, if you don't give up. And so I was super, super, super encouraged by that. Um, I love roast coffee. I love the coffee. Like I said, I love the atmosphere. Uh, you can find me there a lot of times throughout the week. I spend a lot of time in there. It's just so welcoming and you always see people that you love and know and get to talk with. And it's a place where the baristas really get to know you, the people who work there, they get to know you. I walk in and they know my order and it's just, I can't say enough good things. And to hear Trent's heart behind it, I hope that it just makes you love it even more. Um, if you have not tried it out, it is located in the Fort Collective. It is over at 107 East 2nd Street. Um, I Just some of my personal favorites that I want to throw out for some suggestions if you haven't been there. Um, just a basic Americano is my favorite, it is my go-to. Um, it is amazing if you love coffee. Um, if you are more of like a latte drinker, um, their, um, their brown butter is really good. Their honey oat latte, if you need something with oat milk, that is phenomenal. And um, they their matcha tea is phenomenal. And they also have a perfect cozy drink that I just love. Um, it is a London Fog and it is a tea drink and it is fantastic. That is um, my go-to on these cold days when, um, I actually haven't been drinking as much coffee lately. I've been on a big tea kick and a London fog is, it just feels like a big warm hug in a cup. I don't know how else to explain it, but, um, those are some suggestions for you, but truly anything is good. They have amazing food, um, smoothies, lots of good stuff. So go check them out if you have not been. And if you have been, go check them out and give them some love anyway, and just let them know that I sent you. Um, have a fantastic week. Next week, we will have another interview, another conversation with one of my other partners. Um, I'm so, so, so excited to highlight these and um, for you to just get to hear the heart and the story behind these amazing businesses located here in our town. So have a fantastic week and I will see you next week for another episode of Pour It Out with Elena Beverly.